This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 333! Learn to Learn Arcs. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. We've got some kind of serious business up at the top We've of this one. We've got some kind of serious this is, this is no business. joking this matter, is no, actually. It's true. We've been kind this of teasing it for a while. And if you're on the Discord, you've already seen this. But we can we can formally announce. Honestly, it's funny how much we did not plan this. But this is how this has happened. Today is an ARCS episode. ARCS by yeah. Leader Games. And it just so happens... And I'm not kidding. We scheduled this episode months ago without this months. even being a notion of a thing that could happen. But, uh... I work for Leader Games now. Matt works for Leader Games now. Proud, yeah. proud to announce, I am a full-time employee of Leader Games. We alluded to uh, move to Minneapolis last week, and that's why uh, mm-hmm. I'm going there for work with Leader Games. Hunter's going there because he's my other little child that needs to come with me. <laughs> nope, nope. And in fact, you're the child, Matt. I know that if you uh, move to Minneapolis. And you work a real job that the podcast would suffer, basically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You so you barely, gotta you gotta keep me on you, task. You barely can do ten hours of work without <laughs> constant badgering from me. How are you? Yeah, now suddenly you're gonna work a real job and do a podcast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I don't believe it. Yeah. So I'm okay. gonna be there to keep you focused. Yes. Keep you on task. Yes. But also because we've got a lot of interesting uh like new ways of possibly expressing ourselves coming in the pipeline it's time to you know once the pandemic hit not to invoke that real quick but do you remember four years ago a lot of what the show is today coalesce behind the idea that we can't be in the same room anymore right so it it went into this very virtual Mm -hmm. space And my intention with moving to Minneapolis, the reason I want to move along with you is I would like to change that. Yeah, get get, get rid of that. I would shake shake that vibe off, shake the digital aspect away. Uh, It would be great to do things in person. That's not just Hunter and I recording in person, which we vastly prefer doing. Recording in person is so much better. Uh, except for audio quality reasons, but we'll figure that out later. We can get a we can get a setup that uh, works well for recording in the same room. But uh, we can also do more in person streams. Like as a, the past few years, Holiday Spectacular is like our literal only opportunity to do anything in person board gaming related. But uh, with us living in the same place, we can do a lot more of that. And honestly. We can invite Leader Games folks along, and I don't know, hopefully mm-hmm. we can make friends with some FFG people or whatever. There's a lot of companies in Minneapolis. Well, There's a big board game. That's not, that's not a promise. That's not going to happen. That's, I know, I know. There's I know. no problem. You can't <laughs> promise someone else to be your friend. I that certainly really wouldn't. Make but there's there's absolutely way more board gaming action in Minneapolis than there is in <laughs> Bentonville, Arkansas. So, uh, I, you know, there, there's a lot more opportunity for us to actually have a board game show there. Yeah. 
I mean, of course, I'll be kind of stepping down in my life. I'll be moving from New York City, the coolest city in the world, oh. to Minneapolis, the coolest city in Minnesota, <laughs> uh, which is, that's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of a step down for me. Let's just say, let's say what it is. Uh-huh. Um, but I will, I'll get to live with my buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I am just really stoked for the opportunity to to work closer with you in a physical space i think it will improve the show a lot yeah i think even the podcast i mean you alluded to we don't know how to record in the same room that well Mm -hmm. well let me tell you i'm i have you seen the internet uh (laughs) a lot of people are doing them in the same room these days and they get a lot of really good stuff out of it Uh, are you saying we're gonna start a tiktok joe rogan You know about this guy, Joe Rogan, because Chris. he figured it out, and uh-huh. he does not strike me as the type of guy that knows a lot about recording stuff. <laughs> yeah, so, but he, he no can pay people him. somehow. He pays a lot of people to do it for him, I guess. Well, because would... he has money, yeah, yeah. because he's yeah. wealthy and successful, because he hunts his own meat or whatever it is that he does. You know what I mean? He does something like that. He, he like kills eats, boars with his bare hands, He only probably. eats meat, yeah. I think, uh-huh. I heard. He's a carnivore yeah. of sorts. Great. Yeah. Uh, I will say, too, because I've, I've even already had this question after we announced it on the Discord, uh, but people just wonder kind of like how that relationship will work. And I would say two things. Uh, yes, I'm a full-time employee of Leader Games. It's worth noting, for three years, this show has been sponsored by Leader Games. So if you have some sort yeah. of like worry about like money getting involved with what Hunter and I do too late <laughs> like that that's already yeah. been that's been the story uh we you know we the, it does not impact kind of how we cover things this show is about twilight imperium except for like days like today when it's you know not for for a fun episode uh and we you know we, we, it's not really coloring our impression if anything like seeking out this job was because we like the leader game stuff so much like it's still part right. of the mission statement of the show of just like following the passion of the games we really really like so you know this isn't suddenly a full-time arcs show uh we're just doing this episode we want to do a series of episodes for this year because we're excited for arcs and on the other side of that i also now happen to work uh for leader games and that's just they're just two things that exist at the same time yeah and i mean i'll this really doesn't need to be said but it's hard for there to be a conflict of interest when the show is not like our show is not about evaluating uh games deciding whether you'll purchase them or not um it should have been we would have made a lot more money (laughs) but it it never has been yeah it never will be we're not reviewers we're not journalists like we're not any of these things there's not some ethical standard we are entertainers that like to talk about strategy a lot yes yeah. yeah, so we we take a game and we kind of we don't even really ask the question of whether you should buy it or not. That's up for you to figure out how to spend your money, my yeah. friend. Yeah. Uh, this is for if you want to play this game. Here's how we're thinking about it, yeah. which is wrong. And then you tell us that we're wrong. And then sometimes you're wrong. Actually, a lot of the times you're wrong. And then we're just both wrong. Yeah. I hope you're happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it'll also, uh, I th- I think this will give some fun opportunity for growth uh, for what Space Cats does because my position at Leader Games, just so people know it, uh, I am the events coordinator and community manager. That means a lot of what I've been doing with the Space Cats Discord will carry over to sort of the presence of Leader Games on places like Board Game Geek Reddit and uh, the Woodland Warriors Discord, which Leader Games does not own but just sort of hangs out in and has a presence in, right? 
Um, so it's a lot of the same kind of stuff and it's a lot of we want to do more of that kind of stuff. I, I think all of the goals are the same, which is just that like doing more fun events, having fun uh, convention presences. And these are all things Hunter and I wanted to start ramping up as well uh, in, mm -hmm. in the same breath of like we want to be in the same place together. We want to do more in-person stuff all over and that can kind of happen alongside the same work i'm doing at leader so really it's all kind of a part of the same little ecosystem of like supporting fans of games of, of, of these board games we really really like it's all in the same uh, ecosystem if anything think about it like this uh matt matt got a job and now i'm going to and and imagine we're in a classroom so we're taking a test <laughs> Matt got a job, and the reason I'm moving to Minneapolis is that I'm scooting my desk by his desk so I can copy off his desk. That's what's happening. For legal reasons, I would like to state that this is not the... No, I don't... It doesn't even matter. Yeah, it, it yeah. is that. It's, I mean, it's, I, we get to kind of be adjacent to all of this stuff and, and work hand in hand with... And that's how a lot of these companies are. I don't know if everybody is aware of this, but the board gaming industry is not that big. And there's a lot of uh, looking off of each other's work that the whole... Mm -hmm. Everybody does. That's sort of the whole point. Uh, so, yeah, I, I look forward to... You know, Gen Con is a big focus now for me, uh, both at leader and with space cats and then hopefully more conventions and hopefully this means hunter and i as space cats are at more conventions throughout the year that that is part of the goal is to make a good excuse to go to more of this stuff as the show yes yeah expect to see us more in the flesh realm yeah uh, than you ever have before um and let me tell you it a lot of this seem like a lot of this is really crazy because it's leader games. I sure. think that's like kind of like a wild aspect of it. Yeah. Um, it maybe would seem less crazy if it was like a different board game uh, company. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would have at the drop of a hat moved to anywhere Matt had moved. Yeah. That was not <laughs> Arkansas. Yeah, right. Exactly. He was living in literally the only place on the planet <laughs> that I was not willing to live at. So I'm just saying, like, this could have happened a lot of different ways. <laughs> it, like, it literally, Matt could have been like, I'm moving to Denver. And then I would have instantly yeah. been like, I'm also moving to Denver. Because <laughs> now we can do the stuff together, yes, you know? for sure. But instead, you were living in the one place I will never live again. I will <laughs> never, ever live in Arkansas again for the rest of my life. There's just no way. You yeah. can't make me do it. You're There's done. no upside that I would be like, oh, yeah, that'll make it work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it ended up being Minnesota. Wild had no idea that that's what it was going to be but yeah. here we are yeah and, it, it's about yeah. to be a very busy month on top of the uh the prelims starting this month too uh well it just got way busier because hunter and i are literally enacting moves uh throughout the next like month or two uh, i think both yeah. of our hopes is to like be in minneapolis by march question mark who knows we'll see uh so if you're in minneapolis and you want to do stuff in person, keep an eye out for us once we're there. We will try to look around. I want to I wanna meet up with people and everything. But uh, should we get to the mission at hand? Yeah, let's start talking about talking about arts. <laughs> if you've never been here to one of these these are our weird episodes we do that we call learn to learns 
Oh yeah, uh, these are the weird episodes. The <laughs> yeah, this one they're mostly not weird, folks. But then this one kind of weird. Sorry about that. Sorry we occasionally get a little bit weird on the show. Sorry we occasionally dig a little too deep uh -huh. and make the whole idea of the show seem laughable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because we're not uh, we're not really. I mean, first off, if you're ever gonna listen to a podcast to learn how to play a game, to learn all of the rules of a game, that's a pretty wild brain you have that you can like digest an entire board game through purely audio medium yeah, uh, yeah. i congratulate you on that skill uh but no we are here to talk about what's like the mindset to have when trying to learn yeah. arcs and what are the things you might trip up along the way and where can you keep your tenacity going because you've already decided you're committed to this game you backed yeah. it and you're like my money's in okay i have to love this game so how best right. can i find a way to love it <laughs> this episode is the equivalent of sitting under a tree by like a pond okay and you're sitting on the ground and you are preparing yourself to look at the rule book, which isn't even here. It's not even at the pond that you're sitting at. Uh -huh. It is at home. But you are going home that night to read the rule book for the first time. Mm -hmm. You're going to your house alone yeah. where there is no other people because yeah. you live alone in this. <laughs> You live alone in a blank little room with no decorations and one <laughs> small four four seater table. Yeah, and there's no other things in the room except for this arc. Uh, wow. Yeah, um, I promise it's more fun than that. <laughs> I promise whoa. this is more beneficial than. That does sound. Fun. It sounds really what fun. Does it sound fun about that. <laughs> Don't you want to be a board game monk and reflect on? Just playing of board games. And not generally, but specifically. Specific. Don't you want that? Oh, man. The board game monks. Is that what we are? I think it is. This is a nice yeah. new imagery for us. Mm -hmm. We're just up in our tower. Up in our tower on a mountain. 45 miles from society. Just dishing yep. out our sort of spiritual yeah. goods to the world and we, we make wine <laughs> we make wine <laughs> all right what is arcs what is this game there's been a number of interviews we've done with cole worley uh where he's describing it but you know what he's mm -hmm. too smart and maybe you've been listening to yeah. episodes and you've been like the arcs sounds like a brilliant game but man i just can't keep up with that cole worley i don't get it so what's how would, agree. A, how would a dumb guy explain arcs to somebody and i and i cut to my friend hunter to answer this question <laughs> shut up everyone shut up uh i'm ready now uh arcs is a space game mm. that's what i that's how i like to say uh -huh. it. it's uh outer space uh -huh. science fiction fantasy uh -huh. science fiction fantasy game yes not unlike uh the star wars mm -hmm. okay it mm -hmm. is more star wars than star trek okay ah. and it's a game where instead of like in twilight imperium you're given a hand of you know square or not square uh triangular tokens uh -huh. and said hey do stuff with these tokens yeah. instead you're given a hand of playing cards <laughs> with just kind of stuff with just stuff on them uh -huh. and that's what you have instead of command tokens right uh these playing cards have suits 
They got numbers on them, just like a regular playing card would. Mm -hmm. And then you play a sort of trick-taking game on top of the space game. You're playing bridge, okay? (laughs) You're playing bridge to decide how much Twilight Imperium stuff you get to do right now and what kind of Twilight Imperium stuff you are doing Mm -hmm. right now. Mm I don't even before this game. Honestly, I, I had uh, I have seen trick taking games. I genuinely did not know they were called trick taking games. I did not know this was like a specific genre of game. So, like, what does trick taking actually mean? What is what is a trick taker? There's different principles you could use to decide who takes the trick. Mm-hmm. But it's essentially a game where everyone has a hand of cards. And you're each playing, uh, and these 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 cards are traditional playing cards in some way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the ones in arcs are not, and yeah. the ones in the crew are not traditional playing cards. Yeah. But if they were, it would still make sense. Uh, there will be some sort of suit that is assigned to the trick. Oh, this is a diamond suit, or mm-hmm. this is a club suit. Uh-huh. And then whoever plays the highest whatever takes the trick. I see. Now, it might not be highest. I have yeah. not played a lot myself. Sure. I grew up. My mommy likes them. Yeah. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I would play some trick-taking type games. Yeah. Um, and some games that are like kind of on the, like, I don't know if Gin Rummy is a trick-taking game, but it definitely, like, it has some things I feel like that yeah. are in common with that the type same of pace game. <laughs> as a trick-taker, essentially. If you haven't played a trick-taking game, you basically have. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing about it is right. you basically have played games yeah. like this in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Right, and in in arcs, the trick taking has a couple of modifications, and more importantly, it's grafted onto a game with a map, like a, a ships on a map game. Right, it it is it is mm-hmm. both of those things at once. So your trick taking uh, to win a trick. What it grants you is priority in the next set of actions, which becomes the potential for like more actions on your turn the idea being with arcs a trick is you play a card it has a number of little pips on the card and that's how many actions you can take if you are Mm -hmm. the first card to play you can play every single one of those pips if you're not the first card to play you only play one pip unless your card is higher and of the same suit than the lead right. card and that's the only way you can like get some bonus actions uh so there's a lot of theory right now about like what is the you know what is the tempo of arcs and what is the action economy of arcs is the best way to play arcs to really maximize your action economy do the most pips in the game and maybe you'll win it is is you could say a thought to the game because that's like what the system puts in front of you as like the first puzzle to solve is, well, I need to solve tricks and solving tricks or, or, or taking tricks gets me more pips, tricks and pips and pips and tricks. Uh, then you do more actions, do more things. Uh, hopefully that would get you more benefits. But I don't think the game is um, that simple to say just more actions equals better. And we'll talk a lot about no. that today. But to talk thematically, I will refer back to Cole. Cole said something recently on the Woodland Warrior Discord that I thought was a good selling point for the theme of arcs because I think there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk in the ecosystem of board games and video games about 4X games. And I think a lot of games just kind of get 
it just gets said it's a 4x game whether it is or not ti yeah. T- twilight imperium gets called a 4x game and i don't even think it has all 4x's like I, I don't know that it even really technically constitutes as one or not it, it and like there's there's games like eclipse and lots of stuff out there that that fits into this sort of what i think has become an incredibly broad <laughs> genre that people maybe uh even use too flippantly but Cole wanted to separate uh, arcs out from that because I don't think uh, it doesn't quite sell the game correctly. Uh, So Cole said most space opera games are 4X style Civ games at their core. Arcs is not a 4X. It's not a 3X. It's not an X anything. The game isn't interested in a civilization story with a galactic scale. This is because none of the science fiction narratives it draws from work at that scale. Uh, to like hunter was just saying star wars luke doesn't defeat the empire because he researched marginally better Mm x-wings arcs operates on a human scale and is interested in telling its stories up close that's the thing that really binds both forms of the game together both forms being and we'll talk about this more there's a base arcs and there's what we'll always call campaign arcs Uh, this is what binds both forms of the game together and separates them from pretty much every other space strategy game out there uh arcs is on that small personal scale when you're first playing it one thing i noted is how quickly you can just like have all your ships on the board and still feel like it's not enough like you don't build you do not build a huge vast empire (laughs) in arcs you have like just enough scrappy planets and just enough scrappy ships to do what you need to do for a little bit and hopefully that holds on for a while i want to talk about what cole said here because i i think this is like really close to even describing like how the game feels Mm -hmm. Uh, when i played twilight imperium if i if i am focusing on the thematic aspect and not just you know trying to win the tournament or whatever Uh um then i think i feel like a galactic civilization that stretches outside of the bounds of what we can see here yeah you know what i mean like what even is visible in the game i am even beyond that because when it's agenda phase time I still get to talk. I still get yeah. to participate. I might not have any ships left. I might be on the verge of elimination, mm-hmm. but I still get to like kind of participate in the game. And I feel like there's a lot of extra stuff that's just kind of in my mind. Yeah. When I'm playing arcs, I am my literal pieces yes. on the board, <laughs> right? which might be like three pieces and like some court deck cards. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like right. those pieces are who I'm playing as. Yeah. I'm playing as, that guy right there yeah. and this guy over here and this guy over here. Yeah. I am not, my bounds don't extend like outside of the game thematically. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, it's a scrappy game. Yes. It, it is like a, a more like, I do not like see infinitely. I see what is directly in front of mm-hmm. me. Um, I, and yeah, it, it, to say that you're Luke Skywalker, not, you know, the entire galactic empire is like, I think a really good yeah. way to put it. You are just like a collection of, of these characters right. uh, working together for a common goal. But yeah, you're not, you're not big time to put it in TI terms. Uh, the nomad is a faction that operates in kind of a weird space. And I think of arcs, everyone is playing a nomad and their immediate little, you know, the company, the company is the ability of the other agents. That's right. your whole set in arcs. In, mm-hmm. in TI, the Nomad is also like, oh, th- because of that influence, we sort of organize all these little things and we have an army. What if we were only talking about the company? That's like what you're building in an ARCS game. You're the Nomad yeah. and you're going out and you're finding the people that are going to join your company. And you're like at the beginning mm-hmm. of the Nomad story and everybody's doing that at each other. 
in base arcs, the game you just get right out the box, uh, there's there's no asymmetry. Everybody is just these things. There's these cards called court cards, and the court is essentially the company. It's the the powers, the people you will broker and add to your uh, mm-hmm. your things. They they grant you more abilities. Um, that is your only bit of like asymmetry that you can get in the game is by acquiring these abilities over the course of one game of arcs. Well, also r- real quick, just to throw this in as well, resources kind of function mm-hmm. in the same way. Um, to create a little bit of asymmetry because there are like four different types of resources in the game or sorry five Five. yeah five one of them is weird but there are there are technically five (laughs) yeah five different resources the thing that i think is interesting and i think this is a great decision is that there are only six uh, of each resource Mm -hmm. available to the entire universe the entire known universe the 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 board state that we're playing with is well, we've we've got six fuel right. out there in the world, and after that, we're tapped out um, essentially until somebody spends some of their ding dong fuel. Um, so that I feel like also creates a lot of asymmetry because there's not enough to go around. Yeah. So it's going to be distributed unevenly. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, the other way you can play a, a, a module, as it were, that you can add to the game that is available in the base set. If you just buy the single copy of Arcs, you will have what's called leaders and lore cards. Leaders are these little tarot cards that essentially have a yin and a yang. There's like a power and a downside to every single one of them. Something you're good at and something you're bad at. And there's eight of those. And then there are eight lore cards and lore cards are essentially court cards they're just another power that you have and there's no downside to those those are just like here's a little thing you get they're maybe not on quite the scale of the leaders although i would argue some of them are some of the lore cards are like the best thing you will have access to in your whole game it will define just your strategy uh so that's what you can get in a base set uh you can also expand the number of leaders and lore with a little pack add on a little set of cards that's just eight more leaders and 14 more lore cards it doubles uh, both of those decks uh and that is i think what hunter and i are kind of proposing as you know what we're doing with this season we, we what we're going right. to do for the rest of uh, our kind of arcs season is go through all of the base game leaders and do little guides on you know all all eight of those so we view that as the sort of actual base experience in addition to that then you can buy the campaign game and the campaign game flies off the rails and is yeah. like the actual spirit of the design i would essentially argue the game Cole set out to make is the campaign game and the base game was a stepping stone to help people get to Cole's idea alongside him. Uh, I I view the campaign game as like what I'm working towards only playing that in the future. I I would like to just be playing the campaign, but we're kind of working our way there because lots of people are just going to get the base game and it's worth exploring all the stuff that's packaged in that. Yeah, the campaign game is where you do expand the scope but still, I, I do feel like even when I play campaign, I'm like very locked into yeah, what is happening on the board right? Um, in a way that I think is is very interesting. I think if you played, you know, some of their other games, you you maybe know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but yeah, so which version of arcs should you learn the game on? And you, I think in this sentence, means specifically the listeners of Space Cats yes. and Turtles. I think we're pretty firm in saying you should play base game arcs with leaders in lore yeah, for your first game. You can you can handle that amount of flavor. You definitely basically. can. Yeah, I, I I think they have 
made it to where there's a really slow stepping you know there's there's really slow steps to getting to campaign arcs for just sort of any any old person who might be interested in games i think the ti audience does not need to uh wait around and just playing neutral base arcs with no Mm -hmm. uh no innate asymmetry to it and if anything too i could see ti fans playing base arcs with no leaders in lore and being like that was cool but i don't really I don't really see why that's supposed to be for me. Matt and Hunter said right. this was a game designed for me, a TI fan. Mm-hmm. And Base Arcs doesn't quite feel like that, I would argue. Uh, it, it feels like a good, tight little game, but it feels more like Root without the asymmetry. But if like the board state of Root, where you're just like bouncing on each other and crushing plastic and, and whatever, uh, it, it feels more like that. So I think to get that dose of asymmetry that you're going to crave as a TI fan, you should start with leaders and lore. I really wanted to make the case that you could just dive right into campaign game. You're a TI fan. You know complex games. We say dive right in with Prophecy of Kings these days. We say just get the expansion. You can play it all. It's not that much to take on. It's true. I can't at least yet say that about campaign arcs. Uh, and, And by that, I even mean like, Play one game <laughs> with leaders and lore before you dive into the campaign. Maybe after one game, you're you're good. Good, you get it, and you can just drive, dive right into campaign. You might need a few more, but I do think you kind of have to learn because you have to. The the reason you need to learn without the campaign stuff is one, the trick taking stuff is complicated strategically in how it interacts with the board and and Mm -hmm. things like that not it's not complicated as a system but like what you're meant to do with that and how you're meant to succeed with that is kind of tricky and something i found happening in campaign games i was trying to play is we were making really bad strategic decisions that we did not know were as bad as they are that were also like inhibiting our ability to even play the campaign game we were we were not getting to do campaign stuff because we were holding ourselves back by like just trying to understand the fundamentals of some of the mechanics so getting to understand essentially what is the entanglement of arcs i think is a better way to then get started in the campaign because i do think you need to rely on some of what that entanglement looks like to understand what some of the fates which are the factions in campaign arcs what they're after i think you need entanglement to be minorly understood yeah i mean i also think that it's like you're being offered a version of this game that is completable in one afternoon yeah uh, as compared to like the campaign which is meant to take place over multiple afternoons yeah um and i feel like you may as well take their bait here right. and play into what they're offering you. Because what I, I would say this, when Cole started talking about this game and I started hearing about it for the first time, my initial reaction, and I think Matt, I think you had the same reaction, which was Cole was like, all right, we got, you know, this, the, I think at the time they were calling it small arc. Yeah. Um, and then we've got campaign arcs. And my reaction was like, well, I'm not going to play any of that small art stuff. I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to play the campaign art. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm uh, I'm not going to play the the smaller version you made for, for Dumb Dumb. Yeah, yeah, you know? of course. I'm going to play the, the big boy Dumb Dumb one. Um, <laughs> and then I started playing the game. And the more I played it, the more I realized that I both really like the fundamentals yeah. of it. I really like the idea of playing, who would have thunk? 
uh, a trick-taking game that determines your action economy would be like really exciting on its own. Yeah. But it is. It is. And that's why playing base game with leaders and lore is like actually just really fun. Yeah. And it makes campaign better if you do that. Yes. And so that's really what it is, is that like, it's not that, oh, there's two versions of the game, one of them goofy, whatever, who cares? Yeah. And then and then one of them being like the the real Twilight Imperium one. <laughs> they kind of enhance each other yeah. is the thing. Right. And so I really don't think it's that you should just, you're, you know, I'm sure you'll gravitate towards one more than, more than the other because you'll just prefer it. But right now, I feel like putting a lot of time into base game arcs with leaders and lore uh, is making it so that whenever I do play campaign, I ha I am more grounded and I I'm understanding what effect yeah. the fates are having on the game uh, in a in a more literal way. It almost feels like arcs is like a game, that, and I hope I hope this doesn't come across as. This is a huge compliment, whatever I'm about to say. <laughs> it might not sound like it. Arcs is like a game that shipped with its own homebrew. Yeah, yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> like, it's like a game that that is coming out, and it's like, here's the game. It's awesome. And also, we went and messed it up and yeah. did crazy stuff yeah, with yeah. it, too. <laughs> so why would you skip to the homebrew? Right. You wouldn't do that, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't skip to the homebrew. Play the regular game first and then be like, all right, now that we understand how this works real good, yeah. let's mess it up right. big time. Yeah, I'll put it in one less uh, in one way that's also even just like less like thematic and and social than that. And it's just that this game uh, you can with your group play it relatively quickly. You will not for your first few games, I, I'm going to argue. Someone in your game is going to slow it down. It's going to be Matt Martins. He's going yeah, to slow your game you. down to a crawl. Uh, but I, I do think uh, if you were like trying to get into this game and you dove straight into campaign arcs and you were going to play uh, the first of three arcs. Uh, so in campaign arcs, we haven't really described this, but base arcs, you play a game campaign arcs you play three games and three there's, a, there's like an intermission reset period between each one uh, an intermission so kind of pronounced that you could pack the whole game up take it home come back next week play session number two that's that's how the game is designed to be it's as if you could take a ti game and split it into thirds and play mm -hmm. each third cleanly in three separate sessions um yes. but you but might that middle session rules that instead of in Twilight Imperium, the middle session yeah, sucks. Exactly. And then the third session also rules. But the big problem I found is if if you were trying to teach four people, uh, like all four of us are trying to learn the game and we're starting with campaign arcs, you would play that first session and it might take four hours. It make uh, mm -hmm. it might take four and a half hours. And you would look at that and you would go. I'm going to do two more of these. Like that was grueling. And yeah. and the later sessions are longer. <laughs> you only do three, uh, what are called chapters in the first session. And later you do more chapters and you're like, right. this is going to be a 16 hour long game. Well, that's because you're, you're bad and slow at the game and, and you yeah. haven't, that's the biggest thing of understanding the trick taking to get really good at the trick taking means you go so much faster at your decision making. Don't overthink the pips. Don't overthink this stuff. And that's why you should do a few reps on base game. So you don't scare yourself off of how long campaign could be campaign. Yeah. Uh, each campaign session can be two hours 
quite easily if people aren't oh, sure. like wasting a whole bunch of time. Yeah. Yeah, people aren't dorks and just focused on having a good time instead of trying to win a board game they just started playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? You just started playing this game and you're like, I already have to win it. It is already a challenge yep. to my abilities. Right. And if I do not conquer it, I will be the big dumb boy. This is what know? the rest of the board game industry has done to board game because it's all about churn and burn. And it's like, Try this game out. Anyways, that's the only time we'll ever play it. Now to put it back on the shelf. Goodbye forever. We all think mm -hmm. we have to master a game right away. And it's like, nah, man, the first session should be, I don't know, I'm going to do this because I'm a ding dong and I just want to see what happens. And then we'll see. We'll see if it was good or bad later. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think in general, that's my attitude when I play a game for the first time. Yes. I'm just having a fun experience. I'm trying to read what's in front of me. Yep. And I will generally understand some things, not understand others. Mm -hmm. The things I understand, I'll be like, let's try, let's see if I do understand them. I'll test my understanding of seeing, okay, well, if I do that, do I get a good outcome? And a lot of times I won't. But in getting that bad outcome, I'll be like, oh, yeah. okay, I see how you were supposed to do it. Right. Because no matter what, every time you play a board game, I think for the first time, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Yeah, for sure. You're never, you're never <laughs> focused on literally everything, yeah. which I think kind of transitions to, in my opinion, the thing you should strive for, but will likely fail to do in your first couple arcs games, which is to be a generalist. Yes. Do not over specialize in any uh, one particular aspect of the game. Yep. Um, the game has, a handful of actions that yep. you will learn. This is like one of the main things you will learn is here's all the different actions you can take. Mm -hmm. um, and depending on how you play the trick-taking game will determine how many of those actions you are in fact taking. Yeah. Uh, whenever you look over at the resources aspect of the game, that is another way to sort of get some extra actions. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you look at the court deck, that is a way to get some extra actions. I would say that... If I were you, I would look at your hand, your the hand you've been dealt, yeah, and I would just kind of learn those actions. Yeah, right. And I would try to focus on all of them. Right. If you happen to get dealt a hand that has every action in the game, well, for this hand, you're going to think about every action. Yes. They're all going right. to be on the table for you. Um, if there's one that you're lacking, then you're just lacking that yeah. one. And I guess don't <laughs> think about that one right now because it's not immediately important yeah. right you know yeah it's it is uh to learn arcs is to learn about everything that's at your disposal at any given moment um in ti everything is always available to you your yeah. tactics tokens your your command tokens give you access to every single possibility in the game and where you can drown yourself in ti is figuring out what to do with all of those options arcs mm -hmm. is almost the inverse of that where there's a bunch of actions available but every time it's your turn you will be very restricted to which of those you actually can do right now you you mm -hmm. right now you can do one action and it must be repair or build figure out what to do with that and right. that's that's how the suits of these cards uh, operate is they, they give you pips. But on that card is listed the couple of actions you can take with that thing. And so the strategy of the trick taking game of arcs is figuring out how to make the right action at the right moment <laughs> is, is how to decide when to 
when to push the buttons a little bit more, push the limits of what your hand can do. One thing we haven't talked about and we'll start getting into, but I don't want to overcomplicate things is, so to take a trick in arcs is to play a higher number of the same suit of the lead card. If you do that, you will surpass. Highest number at the end takes the trick. Uh, in the four-player game, there is also uh, a, an extra card added to There's actually two extra cards added to every suit. And it's the seven. It's the highest number. And not only does it surpass whatever the thing is, but it actually force seizes the 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 trick basically you you just take it and nobody else can possibly take it from you um because the other way to take a trick in arcs is you could burn a card you can you can throw out a card and you Mm -hmm. just take it regardless of suit regardless of anything else going on and this is your way to okay i'm gonna take this i'll seize the initiative as it's called and then next turn i'll go first and i'll get to do my big lead card i want to do right and figuring out when to do that when it's worth seizing so that you can do more pips on the card you want to do the actions of that's like the hardest thing to understand early on in the game uh, because you can seize the initiative but then your only cards are things you don't even care about doing very much so why did you seize the initiative right now when all you could right. then do is repair and build and you needed to go you know move and attack or whatever uh so i think the hardest thing is figuring out what to do with these actions and so to go back to that ti comparison ti i have everything and i got to choose which ones i want to do in arcs i need to know what everything does and know when it's good to do a little bit of this action and when i need to do a lot of this kind of action because i won't have that opportunity every single time it's my turn. So I need to be able to recognize when the opportunity is in front of me and go, oh, it's time to capitalize. It's it, And that's what makes the game scrappy, right? When we when we describe this game as scrappy, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, suddenly I need to do stuff because this is, I might not get another chance <laughs> to do these actions in this manner to like gain my advantage. Yeah, a lot of times too, it's, it's really about the order that you're going to play these cards. Mm-hmm. So if you look at your hand, and really think about the actions that are available to you in that hand. It sometimes, not always, but but sometimes it will tell a little story yeah. to you. Yeah. It'll be like here, here is kind of what is going to happen because there are certain there are certain limits to actions. Uh, you can't like build something on a planet that you don't rule. Yeah. So if you don't have if your ships do not occupy enough space. Then whenever you play your big construction action, you're just going to be wasting pips. Yep. It's like a situation you could get into very easily. Yeah. So if you're looking at a hand of cards and it's saying, okay, I've got some, I've got some movement here. I've got some war cards and I've got some construction cards. Yeah. That story that you might tell yourself is I'm going to move in on my, on, you know, this area here, I'm going to attack my friend. Uh, who is now my enemy, who I hate, who I do not like my friend anymore, and they're dead to me, kill their stuff, uh-huh. and then build up my own stuff. That could be the story that you tell yourself. Right. And th- and also, I think uh, your personality plays into it a little bit, True. too. You know, like, you kind of also kind of project yeah. what it is that you want onto that. But the hands do kind of speak to you yeah. a little bit. Now, don't let, you know, don't make yourself obsessed yeah. with uh, being optimal as far as your hand is concerned, because you won't. There are going to be times where you're like, I think that I'm not getting a lot out of some of these cards, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's more important, I think, to play the right action at the right time 
than it is to just have more actions overall. Yeah. yeah, if anything, each hand, like you get, you draw six cards, you could almost take a look at that hand and go, which of these one cards do I need to make sure pops off correctly? The other mm -hmm. five are the road to get there or what you can do after you've done that to sort of survive through the rest of the chapter. But like you have one card that you're going to maximize. You are not going right. to maximize four of your six cards, though the other ones are just gonna be a part of the ecosystem of making that one card do well. And that only applies to these six cards. When I get rid of these six cards next times, I, I don't know what I'm going to get, so I right. cannot build some sort of long-term three chapters from now strategy because you can't rely on getting the cards you have. To, to include a little bit of pre-errata here, uh, Harsh on our Discord said, if you finish one round expecting to be able to do a set of actions in the next round, it's very possible you won't be able to do them, either because of not having the right cards in your hand or the suits are just being led by other players. You might not have initiative yep. when you need it or you might not have the cards when you need them, which means, like we said, every chapter is about this chapter and getting that one card to work and we'll worry about the other stuff later. Mm -hmm. And it works so good as like a scrappy short-term thinking type yeah. strategy game that really all we're saying with this, the base arcs versus campaign arcs thing is the version of the game that like more matches that first yeah once you really get your short-term thinking down right where that's like a little more automatic now when the game throws long-term wrenches at you <laughs> you're like i can understand and think about specifically that right. because i understand the trick-taking part i get the action economy i understand uh the court deck yeah and so therefore i am ready for you to throw some you know some some goofy mess right. at me some longer stuff for you uh, another way to sort of word this uh problem of when you look at your hand we said you know oh focus on like one thing that you can do another thing you can look at is look at your hand and kind of think to yourself what's the worst thing that could happen <laughs> like what's the how bad could this go with this hand what is the worst case scenario for what i have in front of me and how can i make that still be some form of scoring points like in in the absolute worst case scenario how do i still mm -hmm. score points the the other thing that reinforces this scrappy chapter to chapter thinking is in arcs your objectives as it were are called ambitions and if you think about it in ti terms in arcs you have a uh, five objectives available to you every single game maybe it's six uh regardless I think it's just five. You have five objectives available to you, but they are all like face down <laughs> and through the course of a chapter, people can essentially nominate objectives mm -hmm. to now be in play for just this chapter. So you might not know until your fourth action out of six that you're trying to have the most relics. You're just trying to have the most relics. You didn't know that until the hand, the chapter was almost over. This is the other reason that generalist idea works is like, I got to play to all odds because at any moment, one of these ambitions could get declared and now we're playing for this. This is where the points are. And that worst case scenario has to be like, what things can I score given the worst way this hand could go? Like if, if I'm just looking yeah. at my actions, what is my best odds? Okay, well, I have a few ways here 
to acquire materials. I, I have enough taxing in my hand that I could just like try to get materials and maybe that's the point I'm somehow able to score. I'll go for that. The worst case scenario this hand is maybe I score on materials. We'll focus on that this hand and we'll, we'll try to make sure that's the thing we're able to do. Yeah, I think that like it's weird, but I don't know if this is going to make sense, but I feel like the best advice I can give to someone who's going to play arcs for the first time is to to try to play good. Does that make sense? Like, there are a lot of games where you don't need, where things don't need to look good. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, actually, you're playing great. You, because you've, you've hyper, you know, it's like a lot of Euro point salad games. You can just kind of bust one of the economies uh-huh. and say, I did it. Everything's going great. In ARCs, you kind of want to be doing okay at everything. Yes. You won't. Don't right, worry right, right. when I say this. <laughs> but like you, you won't do good at everything. You will do bad at at least one thing. You're like guaranteed to do bad at something. Yeah, right. But what you should be trying to do is to just generally be good at everything yeah. instead of just saying, well, all I care about is this. And that has a lot to do with the ambition system. Yep. You have a limited amount of control over what even scores points. Yes. There are only, uh, like Matt said, there are uh, five options for ambitions, but there are only three total ambitions that are even elected. So in a four-player game, yep. oh my gosh. you are absolutely <laughs> guaranteed to have someone who did not guarantee an ambition. Yep. And there might be, it's also very possible for someone to declare more than one ambition, making that number even higher. Yes. So right. you do not have perfect control over a lot of things. So trying to, I would say, look at your hand and then look at your resources and then look at your court deck and think, what's kind of just generic good stuff yeah. I could do for now? Mm-hmm is like maybe the best way to think about it. Eventually, you will have a better idea of what is in the court deck and also like a better idea of what is the tempo of actions that I can expect after hand, after hand, after yeah. hand, that you have like a better cowboy instinct right. for what you what the window is as far as what you're capable of. But until uh, until you get that cowboy instinct, my friend, I suggest that you try to play good. Yeah. And I am a professional podcaster about board games. <laughs> play good and then you'll do good. I, I think too, you can apply this um, in a, a, a strategic way, which is to say the, the game in base arcs, and I think this also applies even more broadly to, to the campaign, is the game scales up in a way that really reinforces like in the early chapters you don't need to be going for broke on any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You need to be generalizing because you need to have a solid position on all fronts so that in the final rounds of the game, you can do every single thing you need to do. You need to be prepped and ready for that last round of the game. It's really hard to like scream ahead in such a way that you're going to like win the game in chapter three. That's pretty rare in arcs. Um, And the, the, the way the points work is they literally are not quite exponential, but they increase as the game goes on. So that final round, people are scoring 15 points, half the right, total they right. even need to win the game. You see the entire game. It's like in arcs, everybody is the Woodland Alliance from Root. Everybody has the potential to just explode in points right there at the end of the game. And so like 
overdoing it in earlier rounds doesn't really get you anywhere because it's like, what's that going to net you? Four points? Congratulations, right. you did it. And you can expand this to the campaign thinking too because in the campaign, at the end of each arc, at the end of each session, your points are halved. They cut them in half. Everyone scales back. You shrink the the advantages that somebody who did really well uh, gets. That they their their points are reduced from ten to five, and then you play the next session, and then you score your points, and then you reduce that in half again. So if you think about it, every point you score in arc one is worth a quarter of the points you will score in arc three in Absolutely. the final arc that is five chapters you will get four times the points you got in that first session. So why did you go absolutely ham doing wild stuff in that first one if it was going to net you almost nothing when it comes to the actual win conditions of the game? Uh, so, you know, don't you don't have to overthink these things. Play generally. I think the entanglement of arcs is going to be a kind of supportive keeping everybody on a roughly even keel in those early chapters because swinging ahead isn't even worth it and so just keeping everybody at a relatively even point total is more beneficial to everybody's final rounds of the game i think it's going to feel a lot like ti in that way yeah honestly it's funny how often you've mentioned entanglement and that's really surprised me yeah. because i don't understand how the players are entangled yeah, yeah. with arcs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't even know how to explain that concept sure. in, in arcs at this point. Sure. Because of that, because so much of it is, and it, it, it I don't know, it adds this like kind of real feeling like texture to the game. Mm -hmm. So much of the game is like figuring out how to make this work. Yeah. It doesn't feel as direct as a competition totally. in that way because there's like you... You might do some stuff that that messes me up, but also I'm kind of just in the inner workings of my stuff, right. trying to make certain actions happen. I'm just hanging myself. on here, folks. I'm just trying yeah. my best. <laughs> well, yeah, and again, it's like you are not a galactic civilization. Yes, you're. It's it's like you know Twilight Imperium. There's an aspect of it that is kind of a bummer, but it's like, these are like all like totalitarian, yeah, like yeah. fascist government, right. essentially, <laughs> um, as far as like how they exert control and, yeah. and kind of like, that's what it's modeling for you. Right. Um, you know, it's not like, they're not like democracy simulators, yeah. you know, it's just like you're in control, you conquer stuff. In ARCs, it, it doesn't feel like democracy, but it does sort of feel like, it feels ragtag. It yeah. feels like a rebel alliance where right. it's kind of like, listen, we're not like perfectly trained over here. We're yeah. like trying to do like, we have like a big goal right now. Mm -hmm. We might not be able to do it. And it's not because another player got in our way. We might not be able to do it. Cause like, I don't know. I mean, we don't, we don't have the right people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I, I love to thematically like what the quote unquote factions. Again, there's two, there's two scales at which the factions work leaders are what you're playing in this base arcs and they're it's a person it's the leader of this thing and in a campaign they're called fates but they're really kind of on the same metric which is to say like they're things called uh the tyrant the warlord the 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 raider like the 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 leaders are a person that does this thing and has this yeah. way of thinking and in the campaign it's like the believer and uh, I mean, they get way weirder, but I, I love that it pushes you to think about what you're doing as one person who thinks about things this way and not right. 
some idea that like everybody that's of this race of alien all believes that like the extra is the thing that has never made any sense to me in ti where it's like every extra is an expert diplomat it's like what are we talking about in this yeah. world in this universe like why can't there be disparity well, and we've, we've removed that from arcs by just saying it's just this person <laughs> i've always taken that to mean like like extra are just generally sure. diplomatic the society um, focuses they're, they're, on that yeah like if you met like an extra plumber he's like <laughs> nice yeah. that's what i thought that it, i was like he's probably yeah. really nice like whereas like some plumbers i feel like in real life like sort of suffer from like diplomacy problems uh -huh, because uh -huh, uh -huh. it is kind of intimate because they are coming into your home and they're not even just coming into your home they're coming into your home to stuff with your toilet yeah which is like it's kind of an intimate thing and i just wish like maybe you could have a little more bedside manner about yeah, this absolutely like, you don't have to come in and and also some of the jokes i don't like them yeah. you know what i mean like and i'm here i work from home so like i kind of just have to hear this stuff and mm -hmm. i don't necessarily want to mm -hmm. you know carl i'm here to smell your stinky hi everybody <laughs> <laughs> like oh that's your version yeah. of, yeah, this yeah. of this problem plumber yeah. he's like <laughs> smiling guy Ooh, stinky hi everybody <laughs> I, I really like it <laughs> that's a good one today okay let's get into let's get in there all right <laughs> uh, let's talk about i've got another God, mad <laughs> i've got a pre-errata here from snoopy mate that i think uh kind of puts puts a pin on these things we're talking about from the generalism standpoint arcs and i like this definition of of sort of building axes arcs has three to four axes or areas to think about you have your board presence which includes ships cities and starports that's the ships on a map game we're playing right that is yeah. one of the games we play in arcs you have resources and guild cards. This is like your inventory management. This is this is the the things you're collecting from the board and the cards you're collecting from the other side, but you you utilize your board presence. And then you have your action cards and ambitions. Your action cards are what you're using to help try and score those ambitions. In the campaign, you also have what are called fate and objectives. And that's like a thing we're really not touching on today, but that is that is your fourth pillar of things you really kind of are forced to focus on. Uh, objectives are the biggest thing that shake up the game and I would say are like the number one reason we are saying learn some other stuff first because the objectives are going to really upend what you how you feel about ambitions uh these areas are interconnected and so a strong board position can help you gain more guild cards or resources through raiding a strong mm -hmm. guild card position can help you take more effective actions to gain better positioning for ambitions a great hand can help you rebound both in board state and in court cards while dictating which ambitions matter for the chapter I love yeah. this, of, of especially in just the base arcs, kind of calling it a rock, paper, scissors, where it's like, you got to make sure all three are working because one of them might be the thing that bails you out of one of the other ones failing. And by failing, I mean, someone else does something to you. You might not be able to predict that Hunter is going to attack this system over here. And then when Hunter does, how are you going to come back from that? Well, it's gonna you're going to come back through your court cards and your action cards, not through just like your other board presence. You're going to have to use one of your other pillars to fix your situation. Yeah, I love rock, paper, scissors as an analogy because it's sort of like if you do too poorly in one of those tracks it would be sort of like if you were playing rock paper scissors and you said um you know what i'm not playing paper yeah. anymore <laughs> paper's out yeah oh uh, okay so it's just rock and scissors then i think i know what i yeah. do 
Oh, okay. I, that that makes it easier for me, actually. Yeah. You know, to play against you. So you definitely want to have. You want to maintain access to yeah. your rocks, your papers, and your scissors. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's the goal. And within that too, I, I think one thing Hunter and I have I learned the most of is that trick taking the action card set is the area you have the least control over. Oh, right? yeah. You don't have control over what court cards are available, but especially in the base game, actually, I've found you go through almost the entire deck every game. Like, you'll see all those cards. So you have a little bit of reliability of what kind of powers are going to hit the table each game. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't have any reliability of what actions you will actually get to take in the game. And so the trick-taking has this sort of dependency to it and your goal in the game is to free yourself of that dependency you need to yeah. rely on the trick taking as little as possible which is why then you need the good board presence and the good court cards the uh, like snoopy may said occasionally a great hand will help you capitalize on all those things but if you haven't relied on if you haven't done enough work on those other two pillars and you keep getting bad hands you'll never fix the situation so you were like have to prioritize getting those other two pillars built up uh, or else you, you won't be able to really build any strategy. My worst games of arcs have been ones where I didn't focus on those two other pillars. And then every round was just like, I don't know, I guess I'm doing this. And maybe someday I'll score a point. I have absolutely no control over it. It is pure happenstance. I had a game where literally almost every point I made in the game was just because someone was trying to knock someone else off of a point. Uh, to, right. to make that make more sense, it's like so-and-so has four materials. I happen to have two, right? I'm going to get yeah. second place in this objective. But somebody else went over, knocked the four-player down to two. Now I'm tied for first, or or they've knocked them down to just one or whatever. And I've now suddenly gained the lead in that, in that ambition. I wasn't going for that ambition. I wasn't trying mm -hmm. to win anything. But because I just had an okay set of things... I suddenly was in a position to score. And that's why having that just kind of even keel across all the things might still net you a decent, you know, scoring position. What's great about when you can get sort of ahead in the, the world of, of it, when you have lots of rocks and lots of papers and yeah. lots of scissors uh -huh. is that the only thing that you don't really ever divorce from the trick taking game is setting the ambitions. Yeah. So the more kind of extra juice and control you have over your action economy, the more your trick-taking game becomes about guiding the objectives yeah. towards things you like right. and not things you don't like. Yeah, Because a big aspect of the game is like, okay, so I can set an ambition with this card, but when I do that, I don't get very much action out of it. Yeah. I sort of just say, I'm kind of burning this. I'm getting one measly... Uh, action pip yeah but i'm saying hey i've set this ambition or whatever that's good right right like and i'm also sort of giving up the initiative as right. well right so if it feels like you kind of don't get as much for that as, as you would like but if if you have actions elsewhere yes and all you have to do in the trick-taking game is set the ambition then it's very easy to accomplish that goal right so yeah it is about liberating as many things as you can out of the trick-taking game yeah. itself yeah and, and it's honestly your only pathway to having any semblance of a long-term strategy right like you you like we said because you don't know what action cards you're going to get later you can't make any sort of long-term plans you can't rely on anything however if you have a few cities out there and you always know as long as taxes come up i can tax these resources and those resources mm -hmm. are going to net me 
uh, more actions. And those actions, I know what they'll be because I know I'm on a fuel planet and a material planet and a psionic planet. So I can right. rely on those three actions. Those three strategies are things I can do all of the time, regardless right. of what my hand is. Uh, and you can even... it's. It, we haven't talked about it much, but that's where you do all of the engine building too. There are very often you get into situations where your resources like beget more resources and help you claim court cards like in a single swoop. Like there, there, are, there are things you can do where it's like you spend a relic to do a thing that automatically gets you a thing that gets you another relic. So it's as if you didn't spend anything at all. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you, those are the little engines you're trying to build where it's actually not at the cost of anything in your kit to do a few bonus actions. And, and I think that's right. when like arcs kind of sings the most strategically. And that's how people build long-term strategies. Those are always, of course, then undercut because someone comes and steals all of your critical court cards that uh, are, are part of your strategy. And that's another reason why the game is hard to, to have perfect long-term strategies, but you can have at least a better idea of what you'll have access to all game long. Yeah. Yeah, you can steal stuff from each other. We yeah. failed to mention that, but you can thievery mm -hmm. is a big aspect of the game. Yeah. Piracy yeah. <laughs> is big in in the world of arcs. Right. Um but yeah, I'm I'm just really excited for this game to finally come out mm -hmm. for us to stop, you know, talking about it and for <laughs> everybody to to play it, you yeah. know, for people to be out there cuz I especially want to spend more time with it in the physical realm, yes, in, in the person. flesh realm playing it in person yep i'm tired of playing ding dong games on in the virtual space <laughs> i want to be right there sitting next to you yep. messing your day up and making you feel bad and mm -hmm. making you feel mm -hmm. awful and bad i need not to good. see the bad feelings on your face right in front of you and then i need to hand you a donut and tell you it's all going to be okay yeah because i keep donuts in my backpack yeah <laughs> That's my backpack. That's my, my backpack. Donuts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> keep an eye out on the YouTube because uh, I'm actually playing in what's being called the Arcs pre-release tournament. Uh, Snoopy Mate, yeah. who we who we referenced in some pre-errata above, organized this big tournament. There's two like open rounds, and then there will be single elimination rounds after that. Uh, I lost my first game. I will be playing a second. EJ is in this tournament. EJ won his first game. EJ is guaranteed yeah. to be in the semis uh, of this tournament. Uh, it, it, it's it's as you go through the rounds, you add stuff to it. So the, the first round I played is no leaders in lore, just a base game game. And that'll be on the YouTube and you'll see what that kind of looks like. And maybe you'll see what I'm talking about where it's like, oh, I yearn for a little bit more flavor. Mm -hmm. And 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 when when I play in my leaders and lore sessions, I'll get those as well. But there's also some old leaders and lore games up on the YouTube. Uh, I'll note all of this stuff is on TTS and fans of TI should know uh, Daryl. Uh, of the making all of the most beautiful mods any of us have ever played on is making an arcs mod for tabletop playground uh the base game is all in there already uh you can play with leaders and lore and base in ttpg the campaign is like a whole other endeavor to get it all mm -hmm. in there so he's he's working on that but uh if you're a fan of daryl's work and all the automation and stuff and you do want to play virtually you can play it right now and and we've been holding off on talking about arcs because it wasn't content complete uh in 2023 but they they finished it they wrapped it up at the end of the year Everything that's online and available is the final game, so you can start learning it. And then when the game ships, I think they've said like April, basically. It's, you know, you, at a certain point, you're on the whims of boats in the sea. <laughs> so there, we're, we're sort of in that realm of when ARCs is expected to arrive to people. 
but they're sort of saying April-ish for people to get the physical copies. And so you can spend the next few months getting yourself up to speed so that then, I don't know, when you get your physical copy, you, you can just dive right into the campaign if you mm -hmm. want to. Yeah, that would be that would be super sick. Um, and yeah, this is also like, I feel like we said this earlier, but I just want to make sure this is clear. Like we are going to cover like a lot of arcs. Yeah. Like arcs is a game that like, I feel like I've been waiting for for a while ever since I played Root for the first time or even I remember when I heard about Root for the first time just the idea yeah. of Root was enough to kind of just set me off <laughs> I went off homie uh, ever since that I feel like I've been waiting for leader games to make a game that perfectly kind of aligns in my and their Venn diagram yeah. of interest you know yeah. what I mean like not to say that I love Root and I loved Oath. Yeah. Uh, and I was super excited about both of those games. But this game, there's a special aspect to it that feels uniquely targeted at me. Yeah. And I feel very much included in it <laughs> in a way that I uh, enjoy quite yeah. a lot. Yeah. You know what I think is the real sticking point for me? It's all, there's all these strategic and stylistic decisions. At the end of the day what we've always wanted from twilight imperium is for it to be a little bit dumber and kyle farron's art is where that promise is delivered in arcs the cartoony oh, yeah. just like stupid things some of the characters are doing on the cards like the the there's so many cards where it's like it's this and then you look at the art and you're like oh that's we're we're interpreting it in the dumbest way possible we're, we're saying it's like this weirdo who like collects skulls and he's a like there's mm -hmm. so many things in the art where you're like they're having a good time rather than like a huge paragraph of lore written on the back where you're like, okay, this is a little bit prescriptive, but I guess I can, I can gel with this arcs. You get a piece of art. It's kind of funny. And that becomes your entire personality for that, your interaction with that component. And I, I feel like that's my number one. Like, this is why this sticks in my brain uh, outside of even all the strategic decisions. Pretty messed up that you would say that your coworkers' work is dumb, uh, and I am going to be forwarding this to the HR department at Leader Games. Pretty messed up. Not really cool or acceptable. Um, obviously, I can say it. I've never. I don't even know who he is. I don't know anything about that guy. And I'll, you know, I'll never meet him. But so I can say whatever I want. But Matt, you can't just go saying stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, mm -hmm. that's messed up. You should strike this from the podcast. This should be edited out. Um, because I mean, I can't believe it. I am irate right now. I am an irate gamer right now. Uh, I want to thank our Weird Bears, Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, BLT, welcome to the Weird Bears, Brassbird, Cabal of Soul, Kalu, and Daryl, Drago Thaxton, welcome to the Weird Bears, Elspeth SC, Jadim Jenai, Carnal, Lord of Apathy, Alice, Emlashevsky, Absol, Rwise, and Tang, and I want to thank my baby child, big friends, Kraken, yeah. Portmandia, Hercules, Relic Stan, and Vince, you can rate this podcast uh, wherever you listen to it, probably, I don't know, some apps don't have five stars, it makes this whole part super confusing, but if if you're on Spotify, I guess, give us five stars. It does something, something somewhere. And then you can go to our website, spacecatspeaceturtles.com for information you about not, our Patreon, Discord, merch, etc. Do you not get to do a little, do you not write a little blurb on Spotify or is it, it's like just you do. the stars? I don't know. Oh, you do? I okay, have no idea. Cool. I don't use Spotify for podcasts. So I Me don't, neither. I don't and know. I think that will be, I was, that's, it's funny because that's exactly what I was going to say is like, I think you should write five stars. I don't use Spotify for podcasts <laughs> on on Spotify would that be good? Yeah. So go to how about this? Don't listen to us on Spotify. Listen to us anywhere else. Yeah. 
but then go to Spotify mm-hmm. and give us five stars and be like, I do not listen to this. <laughs> Actually, I do not listen to this. It's a really, really good, good five star review. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is across the board this week. Just yeah. give us five stars and say, I do not listen to this. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, you can also go. send us this Imperium life stories. These are stories of games, exploits, things you've done in Twilight Imperium. Send those to spacecatspeaceturtles at gmail.com. Hey, we got prelims. Prelims games four through six this weekend. Uh, we actually have a long weekend of games. Uh, prelims game number four will be Saturday at 1500 UTC on Big Al Cappuccino's Twitch channel. Thank you for hey, uh, guest hosting a game this weekend, Big Al. Thank you last week to Elspeth for hosting a guest uh spot prelims game five will be sunday morning question mark morning american morning on the space cats uh twitch hosted by hunter denudson and prelims game six will actually be monday morning i know there's some weekend people if you're a prelims player and you are looking for non-weekend games i encourage you to hit me up on the discord and let me know if this coming monday can work for you i'm looking for players for that game monday morning on the space cats twitch hosted by me and those are our three games for this coming weekend i will also get further ahead than this i've had people in the prelims channel asking like is it going to be like this where it's just like a week out every single time i need a bit more advanced absolutely not we're just catching up from uh winter and january and everything i will have uh next week's stuff also coming out this week uh, and maybe even the week after that we just got to get kind of all the ducks in a row yeah also we've been we you know do you remember the beginning of the episode we got a lot of stuff we've going been focusing on, right on this sorry we got <laughs> yeah. a lot of stuff going on and it's kind of crazy um <laughs> all right let's do let's get into the uh agenda phase we asked for um the galactic council to ask us questions um, which you can still do in yep. that Patreon post if you check a week ago. Yep. Um, and I selected one, and we're going to talk about it right now. It's from a Scruff McGruffin. Very good. Very good name. What lessons from TI have you been able to take to other games? What other games offer the best lessons for TI? Yeah. So two questions there. Kind of, you kind of snuck in two questions actually. You cheated. Uh, what? You cheated. Banned. And that's good. Banned from the agenda phase. <laughs> But yeah, let's start with that first one. What lessons from TI have you been able to take to other games? I Um, have the specific memory of um, us playing the Game of Thrones board game at our friend Chris's house. And our other friend Chris was also there. Oh, you're going to bring this up? Yeah, I did. And I did a I did a big I did a big backstab. uh, And and it's and it's not even you can't even call it a backstab. I made a deal with Chris about a thing yep. that I would or would not do the next action that I had. And then the next action for me came up and I just did the opposite of whatever I told him I would do. Right. And it was so that I could win the game partially in my defense. Not that I deserve any defense. I don't, but partially in my defense is the game had already been going on like four hours. And if I didn't end the game, it was going to go on forever more. It, we were not close to the end without doing this. So oh, I was trying. Is, I, I disagree I, with that. No, that I was not true. I, there, there was a lot more to that game. Regardless, doesn't matter. Again, not no. a defense. Not a defense. <laughs> that's, that's, I, he's just telling lies. I'm there, not lying. I remember it vividly. <laughs> I remember it vividly. The point being, I learned something from that that because I think I was doing that with like a TI kind of mindset. But both mindsets have changed for me over the past few years, I think. Uh, and, and for me... I have now come around to the notion that there's like 
There's things in games I just don't want to do and I can't do. And I think I, I feel it more these days in TI than any other game. And so now when I'm playing other strategic games, there's stuff that I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to step to that level because it doesn't matter enough. The Winning the game is not uh, critically important enough to me to like do some weird thing that might make somebody feel uh, like I'm a big jerk. I mean, to be honest, yeah, from a metagame perspective, it's bad strategy to boldface lie. Yes. Um, it, you would always want, if you tell a lie, not to say you shouldn't lie, uh, lying is definitely a deceit as part of games, but you gotta have more finesse than what you did in that moment. Yes. I mean, it is only by the grace of me <laughs> that I would ever make a deal with you in a game. <laughs> I mean, you have you have your approach to uh -huh. your overall reputation in games sure. has been to light it on fire with oil, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, there are a lot of times where you'll talk to me about like, oh, I feel like I just have like this difficulty with the other players. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but I mean, the stuff that you do in games then adds up right. over you, time. You reap what you sow. You know? I think I think that stuff has changed for me over the last like year or two, and that's kind of where I'm the most coming from. I think I was way more backstabby a few years ago, and I've really cooled my jets on that kind of stuff. You're the type of backstabby you are, though, is sort of like like you kind of show. It's not like it's not like a silver tongued backstab. No, yeah, I, you like to you like to you know, plunge the knife into the back of your opponent, twist it, and then they turn around and they get to see that it's you. <laughs> and you're like, you're looking them right in the eye being like, it's me, uh -huh. I did it. I so that then they die and they're look, and you yeah. get this like ultimate power moment that if you were a little more Grima of worm tongue, sure. you know, if you were a little more hanging out in the shadows, maybe would work. A little better. I'd put it a different way. What I feel like I do these days, like within the last six months, is someone will propose some weird, innocuous, non-binding thing. And I look at that and I'm not going, I'm going to betray this deal. I look at that and I go, you don't mean this. I don't mean this. We both know this is a non-binding that's going to the the deal will alter right how often does that happen in ti where it's just like oh i've altered the deal the context has changed enough i feel like i look at deals like that on the front end and i very often kind of as a joke they'll you know someone will ask for some non-binding thing and i'll go uh-huh yeah sure let's do that and it's like i'm kind of saying at the front of it like i'm not gonna like right. pitch all my morals into upstanding like holding to this deal because both of us should be able to recognize that this is gonna mean something else entirely unless later. the other person doesn't agree sure. is not thinking exactly the thoughts you're thinking right which is why ultimately from just a, just some quick strategy advice for everybody i don't think you should really make deals with somebody that plays with that philosophy mm. like i i think that's a that's a bad philosophy for for making deals because how are you supposed to actually get anything out of that communication if one player is basically like, we're probably both lying anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's I, like, why even waste the breath? Well, I, why, why expose yourself in any way? Sure. I, I just view the other players as less 
less honest liars. I'm not lying about what I'm doing. I'm saying this is a weak deal. And so we'll have to just see where it takes us. What I don't buy into is people who are like, yes, this is a deal. And I stick to my deals. I am a person that sticks to my deals. And then two hours later, it's like, yeah, but that's not really what I meant. That's that. That's not really what the deal was. And it's like, I'm not, I'm not leaving myself open to that kind of a thing anymore. Right. You're if not, anything, you know, no, it no. was, if anything, it was just a thing that would frustrate me so often when someone was then trying to lie to my face about they that's not what they meant by the deal like some of it is just a protection a way to protect myself from people doing that kind of a deal like i i, I couldn't stand the ethical high horses anymore i don't like i like people to think that i mean what i say and i i word that very particularly and the only way for it to for it to appear that you mean what you say is for it to mean what you say most of the time. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, so I would say if you were trying to predict whether I, whether this is the deceit time, you're going to have a lot of difficulty with that because a lot of the time I am saying exactly the truth. Yeah. Um, and I feel like what you're kind of proposing is this sort of like, let's always be deceitful. But the problem with that, I find, is that if you, if you aren't really, it just becomes noise then. Mm -hmm. it, then it's just like, I don't really need to listen to what the other players are saying. I just need to make sure that they don't have, that they're not like essentially depending on me to do a certain thing, thinking that we've made some sort of deal, uh -huh. basically. Yeah, I, I, I don't... I don't intend it as deceit. And honestly, I think most of the times in games, it doesn't actually come off as deceit. We started this conversation about deceit, but more what I'm trying to get at is nowadays, I don't set up promises that could be or could not be deceitful. I set up situations right. where it's like, yes, let's both try to get what we want, but let's not be fooled into thinking this is more than it is. I, I can make a deal in a game with Imsen and also know that at any moment my home system might get threatened right and and to not let the stepping stones of a good deal and a good relationship mean more than what that relationship actually is and and that a player can uh, do bad things to you and you're like but that's hey you're betraying the thing and then they're, oh, they're, they're really and, wide here and they're kind of like oh uh, that's, that's not yeah i mean I, I i think it's all connected i think it's all a part of the same ecosystem of just like nowadays I'm not making these hard and fast deals. I'm, I'm just trying to do as many things in the window as possible, if anything. I'm just trying to have less uh, non-bindings out there. See, I would never assume that because I've made a deal with a player means that they are not going to do something like attack my home system. If it's if, yeah. it's, if you leave an opening, then my expectation is that the other person is going to take advantage of that no matter what. So, I mean, yeah. maybe we do actually think the same thing. It's just the way you were wording it, I thought, had to do with right. deal making. But, I mean, no one's, no one's thinking, like, I mean, if I do an X minus one with someone, I don't think that also sure. there's an unspoken you don't take my home system I, I agree. here. Like, that's I, not a thing. I think it's a sliding scale because I do think there are certain moves that people think beget something else in the relationship that it doesn't. And I just, I think this is uh, even especially more common. It seems like amongst like kind of the Ameritrash players, if we were going to prescribe anything to them, it's this notion that like, listen, if we're all boat floating, it means we're really going to not do anything uh, untoward. You know, we won't say any, we won't do anything without talking about it first is, is a kind of way that's like, that was your advice to me about Kaluan one time, right? Is like Kaluan will always talk to you. And so there's certain players out there where mm -hmm. it's like there's always a deal to be made. 
And um, I, I think there always being a deal to be made doesn't also mean sometimes other actions must be taken that aren't deals. But I, I don't know. I go back and forth on that. But let's let's get to the other half of the. Well, wait. Yeah. I want to say yeah. something about Kaluan, um, because you did bring up Kaluan. I just want to mention that that is old Kaluan wisdom. Kaluan oh, that's right. That's does, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> doesn't play by that yeah, anymore I you have um, you, and, now you and Kluin had a falling out <laughs> and that's the thing is that that's the that's what's happening right now is uh -huh. you're seeing like if you like Kaluan told me a big lie uh -huh. and <laughs> so therefore and now here i am a podcast host just letting people know that Kaluan uh actually will straight up liar pants no well actually it's not necessarily Kaluan would always lie yeah it's just that Kaluan used to have a paradigm of uh you know let's try and turn every interaction into a deal if possible. Yeah. And uh, I've just been there now before where there was no talking about it. Yeah. It was just time to go down yeah. and that, and you know, and then I'll remember that. And yeah. that has, you know, I Kaluan in that moment. And I don't even think Kaluan won that game, but you know, obviously destroyed our ongoing relationship. <laughs> and here I am this perfect angel uh -huh, where, uh -huh, and, uh -huh. and I have never done anything untoward. And yeah, that's why everyone has a perfect relationship with yeah, me. Yeah, right, 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 of course. But it does make it, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just talking strategy here. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to play my game You're right now. You're always playing, in the podcast yeah. <laughs> and, and explain it to you. Uh -huh. if, if I am really honest mm -hmm. a lot of the time, and I don't get lost in this weird, yeah. you know, this weird soup, uh, people can really believe in what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so, therefore... I do get to lie every hundredth time or right. whatever. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, it's right. like if, if you keep That's it the point of a successful up, lie. No, I agree completely with that, that you, you can't, you do get to get away with one every once in a while, but it's, it's like not poker. A, yeah. If you let someone think, they know yeah. your game, right. then you, that's when you've got that's the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what other games offer the best lessons for TI for you? I was going to say, I mean, to me, I think I, and, and I think this is maybe kind of an obvious answer, but I also feel like I bring this up a lot and I feel like the community maybe doesn't agree or whatever, but um, entanglement from root yeah. is like the number one thing. Oh my thing. gosh. Like, yes. I think that I, it, and it is one reason that this is like kind of on topic that I don't find like elimination like I talk is not very compelling to me. Yeah. Like sometimes you can eliminate a player, sometimes you can't. And I think that's mostly a function of like circumstance yeah. and less having to do with like your strategy includes elimination. No. Like yeah. you, you can't you can't have a ongoing strategy that is just like I eliminate players. When all the Euros, you know, talk down about everybody, when all the Australians talk down about everybody and are are talking about how yeah. they play the real TI hard and we mode. all play the fake TI. Yeah. We play hard mode. We're cooler than you. You suck. You know, <laughs> that's how y'all sound, by the way. Um, it's it's like a funny look because you're just nerds. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the point I'm trying to make is that like, <laughs> that, that was going to be a little too hard. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that like, like, yes, aggression makes sense at times, yeah. but it's, the most important thing I feel like about Twilight Imperium is knowing when it's aggression time. Yes. Knowing when this is the time to strike well, yeah. is more important than just having a overall perspective of like, violence is good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. It, it, violence is not across the board good, just like negotiating is not across the board good. Sometimes yeah. a thing can't be negotiated for. Uh, and I think we've seen more in the last year Think developments with uh, factions like Nalu and Winu 
have led to this in root it's hit the vagabond right the vagabond has this engine that just means they they scream ahead at, at, in a moment where you can't do anything about them and winu is that same thing so like you talk about winu now is like hit them early on and then they're not a problem later and so that that is a thing where it's like you're not negotiating with winu you do have to sit them down and take some of their plants or take some of their ships away and, and mm-hmm. maybe that is half negotiated maybe the winu player is like yes i need to look a little bit worse off so that i'm hit less than they maybe would have if i actually had a good position right. i would get dunked on so if i just let them take centauri grawl and you know go about my business elsewhere maybe it won't affect me so much that's like what entanglement definitely is is everybody's playing this is why i i firmly do feel like a uh, de is like one of i mean obviously the most recent tournament winner but like one of the best smartest players out there because de always has entanglement at the absolute forefront of his mind the mm-hmm. sugar plays everybody needs to be in this i need every single hand on the ball so that there's no weird ecosystem of spite or or something being left out that's giving someone else too powerful of an advantage if we all keep our and and this is not the same even necessarily as boat floating although boat floating like ties into it but just that notion of i need everybody feeling comfortable enough so that they're all doing their job which keeps right. me also in the running so that i can try to win yeah, it's why like really, really aggressive play only works if for some reason every player across the table is agreeing to play into it. Yeah. But if two players decide at a table where everyone's fighting to, uh, to try for a little bit of that old, old uh, cooperation, yep. they're just going to have an easier time winning the game. Right. And w- you, we saw it in uh, Prelims Game 3, there was two players that tried to pincer another Mm -hmm. and eventually they gave up because it was like, this is taking too long. Uh, This is like too much of an investment, but the, the players that were not involved in that were kind of just getting a free ride Mm -hmm. to like score points. And like, they kind of had trouble even keeping each other in check. It was just kind of like, well, I mean, we've got this like massive, like mess over here where three players are sort of just like wrapped up in this war that that is just like really just kind of slowing the three of them down and yeah. causing them to project less power. When you commit ships to someone else's slice, you're saying that I've spent my energy now. Yep. I'm over here. Yep. And so therefore, I'm not over uh, there. <laughs> I'm not over there. That's the thing is, whereas if you st- when you're in your slice, you could be anywhere yeah. and that potential is important right. and i think holding that for this is also why like i think overall and while i i think that this is i don't always think that the state of the game is like optimal for fun right yeah, yeah, yeah. but like one of the things that i think is true about twilight imperium is that like violence makes the most sense at the end of the game and yes. round five and i think that that projection of power mm-hmm. is why because the second you decide in round two or round three you're now committing to this action well now in round four yep. i know i've got a whole round of whatever mm-hmm. i know i've got a whole round of well you're committed over there i don't really have to think about you right now yep. so i get to kind of just focus on my game and you're not gonna like i think that sometimes people make it sound like why like why would that other person then decide Oh, you know what? I'm also gonna pre- like spend my power mm-hmm. uh, and like go after someone else who maybe isn't even in the lead. That that I think is another problem. Is the tempo of Twilight Imperium is there's generally 
a player that's doing better than everybody else, maybe there's a second player that's doing better than everybody else. Right. So at most, like after that, it's just kind of people in the pack and it makes sense to keep everyone in the game for yeah. the most part. Like yeah. actually eliminating someone is it's hard to set up and it's hard to execute when it happens. It's great, obviously. Um, it, and it's fun to watch, but it's hard to just force, I yeah, guess. Definitely. is my point. Yeah. The, uh, the, the other, and this is just, I, I don't mean to bring up a whole new topic, but the other interesting thing that is different from root entanglement in TI entanglement is this thing that I feel like I see more and more, which is people trying to push one person to be outside of the entanglement by boosting them up too much as opposed like mm -hmm. we're kind of talking about both things we were just talking about oh don't drag someone so far down that it like screws everything up there's this other side of the scale that people are like if i really gas up so and so everyone will spend effort on them yeah and then i'll just have my effort ready to go to actually play for points rather than stopping somebody so that's the other reason this entanglement works is you actually don't want someone to gas somebody else so much because then you will have something to stop and they won't be helping you with that so you right. have to make sure everyone is contributing to the no, no no just don't let them get too much ahead this is why tempo is like the most important thing to pay attention to in ti right it has nothing to do with where they're at right now it has to do with their potential and and yeah. you just got to keep everybody's potential in check yeah i think that makes a lot of sense also like gassing people up saying oh i'm gonna you know it's it's sort of like inverted ride or die it's like yeah it's like you're saying, oh, this player is going to be doing really, really well, um, and I'm not going to do anything about it, but I am made made sure that I am second in line. Yep. What I don't, the only thing I don't like about that type of approach to the game is you're pretty much saying that <laughs> the table mm -hmm. is, is like an instrumental part of your strategy, yep. which seems like basically just an exercise in how well can you manipulate a yep. bunch of people mm -hmm. which is going to have diminishing returns as a strategy eventually people are going to notice that that's what you do yep. and then they're not going to respond to it exactly. uh, as well and, and if anything i think that is becoming the defining feature of at least this year's prelims the three games so far have all roughly not the exact same context but a story of i'm not going to let you do it that way is what yeah. the, is what the table sort of decides. So we're seeing we're seeing the prevalence of win making meta as a as a like counter to this strategy. You gassed something up so that you could be second in line, and we're just not going to let you do that. We'll just yeah. win make somebody else. So that's even more a reason to just like let's. How about everybody stay even keel so that then mm -hmm. in round five it's just the win slay carousel that matters, right? Yeah, and also I feel like POK has a lot of like faction abilities that correspond to like that type of yeah. game, yeah. basically. And whenever you kind of buck against that, you kind of just lose a lot of that flavor. Yeah. Um, which I feel like is like, I mean, I I love every outcome of a Twilight sure. Imperium game is like on the table for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, I don't care when people get dirty. Uh -huh. You know, uh -huh. I'm more talking about it in a sense of like what makes sense strategically over a long period of time mm -hmm. i think it, i think a long game i, I play a long game and mm -hmm. i think it's there i think the reason i do that is because of this show because sure. i know that i'm always going to play twilight imperium and that i'll never get to stop yeah
Right, right. Uh, no well, thank what. you. <laughs> thank you, Scruff McGuffin, for uh, what turns out to be a great question. That was like almost the whole episode. Uh, Galactic Council, we have some poll options for you for uh, the first episode of February. Uh, let's go through them. You got you got four things. This is a this is a funny list. We tried to this one's like sometimes there's a theme. This is like not a theme. This is covering every base. I feel like uh, for the Galactic Council this month. The first one is the 10 video games to play when you can't play twilight imperium <laughs> yeah that's cool right that's really, top 10 right yeah, a, a top, top 10, 10 list, 10 list. Love come list. on you like that you, you love like it. it you love it next up is a guide to winning your prelims tournament game uh we did uh at the end of last year a guide to the qualifiers i think that was even was that a galactic council episode i'm pretty sure it was uh yeah. and, and that was with the mindset of the qualifiers are not single elimination so there was a whole slew of things to talk about in terms of winning a qualifier game well that has shifted now it's single elimination so what do you do we also have a couple and by the time we record this we'll have like quite a number of prelims games uh, under the belt and we'll have started to maybe notice some trends i wonder and it'll be fun mm -hmm. to talk about uh what does it mean to to now play in single elimination mode Oh, yeah, it seems like it's wild. It seems like, <laughs> it seems like there's nothing you can do to protect yourself. <laughs> I mean, the first weekend was wild. Yeah. So I, if the second weekend is wild, I'm going to declare it like, all right, this is the wild, weird yeah. uh, prelims here. So there we go. Uh, your third option is a review of Robbie McNevin's Empire Falling. We interviewed Robbie recently, but we haven't actually like gone through the book, talked through it. Uh, this will be something that uh, my my dear friend Absol, uh, the other book lore expert, will come on and help out with. Haven't uh, talked to her about it yet, but I know she'll show up. She always does. So we'll find a way to do a review of Empire Falling. How often have we done that word during Every the time. Yeah, every we do time. it every time where we're like, we just volunteer a guest without asking them. We we let them know they're, that we might ask them to be on yeah. the show by saying it in the show. That's yep. That's professional. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, and our final option is uh, we just did an agenda phase uh, post and we just did an agenda phase question. We want to leave it up to you. We could space these out and we will probably keep some to space out. We want to do an agenda phase every episode. But also, if you just don't like the other three options and just want to do a mailbag episode, we can do a mailbag episode and just yeah. submit a bunch of questions. We even thought about like, what if we did a new post that was like a focused thing? And I'd still like to float that if you'd like a, an actual like focused topic mailbag. Maybe we do something like that. I don't know. But if you if you just want the Galactic Council episode to be hunter and matt answering questions then uh, we're down uh so there's there's your four options someday we should do uh, an episode where we ask you questions mm -hmm. uh, the audience mm -hmm. and we and we listen to your answers <laughs> and then we talk smack on uh -huh. them. i think that'd be cool answers. yeah well i mean not <laughs> trash them but just like i think it'd be fun to have like a back and forth that works like that yeah um, because yeah, I mean, I feel like I can come up with some some good questions for y'all, and I'm interested to know what the audience thinks about a lot of things because yeah. it's I feel like the the window for like philosophy in Twilight Imperium. Yeah, I always think it's like closing in, and then when we do the tournament, I'm like, nah, it's expanding. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. People are like trying more and more stuff, and I don't necessarily agree with the stuff that people try. Sure. on the face of it. But I like that people look at the game and are still like, ah, I think I think it works like this, yeah. actually. Like, that's wild. It is. I think if there's any reason that we're still playing this game and that this show works, 
it's got to be that, it is. right? Yeah, absolutely. It's that people are still thinking of new ways to approach this. It has not gotten stale, even though we haven't had a codex in two years or a year and a half or whatever, right? We haven't even had yeah. updates to the game like you would expect to be something to revitalize a community. Instead, we just come up with new ways to play it. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Well, I mean, Dane did say that Codex 4 is coming. Mm -hmm. uh, he just said it a really long time ago. <laughs> and, you know, I send him a little note, uh -huh. a little note, and it says Codex 4. Yep. When? Yep. And I send it to him every day. Not to go back to my non-binding deal thing, but I think I think Dane just made us a non-binding deal and maybe we shouldn't have bought so much nope. into <laughs> Nope. That's not how it's going to work. Here's the thing, Dane. If there's not going to be a Codex 4, we're going to make one. And guess what? We'll do a bad job on purpose, okay? <laughs> and we're going to write your name on the product, yeah, okay? Very good. Get your rear in gear. Yeah. Speaking of uh, our own stuff, how's the Homebrewers Guild looking? Oh, my God, Matt. Okay, I got to move and stuff. Um, but here's here's what here's what it's looking like. Get to like. work, Hunter. What is your problem? Listen, hey, give me some space, Okay. <laughs> Stop talking smack on a podcast about me having to do my work. Um, <laughs> last weekend of the month, uh, I'm going to be doing uh, the final Last Axe playtest. I realized that there's I, there hasn't been a lot of discussion in the Homebrewers Guild about the Last Axe because it's like we sort of already kind of got it in, in the way that we want it. Mm. But... I don't have time to do anything else. Yeah. So this, and I did want to do this. I want to do yeah, yeah. a, a final draft of it. If anybody wants to weigh in on any last minute Lazax uh, ideas, if you have any ideas for fixes, um, then just just pop into the Homebrewers Guild and let me know. Um, otherwise, uh, next month uh, we will be starting like something new with the Homebrewers Guild. Yeah. But yeah, I just I I don't have the bandwidth for it like right this second. Yeah. But I am excited because I think from here on out it's going to be more um, me like basically saying, all right, here's what the systems are. Uh, how, how do y'all like basically taking a RADA on the, the, the systems as they currently exist for Twilight Imperium zero edition. Um, so we kind of are going to have a big chunk of meat that yep. is going to be not perfect right. that we were going to like kind of chisel away at yeah. um, from here on out. So right. that's really exciting and will be very fun whenever we get to that. Definitely. Uh, Hunter, before we started recording today, you uh, offered me a film recommendation, and I just, it was a really delightful recommendation, and I think you should yeah. do it for the audience as well. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm going to, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but there is a really good um, documentary, um, and you'll like it even if you don't like documentaries, um, called uh, Kedi, K-E-D-I, which is, uh, I guess, uh, Turkish for cat. Um mm -hmm. And it is, I don't know if you know this, uh, listener, but in Istanbul, uh, there is a, a bunch of stray cats that live there. And when I say a bunch, I mean a lot. The city <laughs> is full of cats, and it has been for a crazy long time. I mean, it's a very old city, and cats have been there pretty much, I guess, like from, from the beginning. Um, and uh, it's just this documentary that just like follows around some of the cats uh it, on their day-to-day -day, like what their lives are like what they get up to what the people are like that like interact with them and oh boy uh yeah. it is i would say the definition of a good movie or a good <laughs> use of time uh or film i realize you might not be a cat person you might not like cats i bet you will like this documentary i bet 
every living person would like this documentary. You'd have to be dead not to like it, is my point. Um, and also, fun fact, if you do watch it and you decide, I do not like this, you cannot come over to my house, all right? And also, maybe let's not even talk. You know what I mean? Like, it is the most... I can't imagine a documentary that is like less offensive uh -huh. in every sense of the word. <laughs> this is a documentary that is pleasing. Yeah. It's like it's it's like the documentary equivalent of like a blanket. Yeah. You, have you ever met someone that doesn't like a blanket? <laughs> I would not believe you if you told me, "Oh, I don't like blankets." Yeah. Yeah, if if you don't like this movie, you shouldn't tell anybody. You don't need to come hop on the Discord. Um, yeah, just to get into some strategy talk real quick. If you do watch this cat documentary and you don't like it, do, yeah, you take that one to your grave. Do not tell anybody. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>